If you don't know me, I'm Jill Fairbrook. I'm Pastor Vaughn's wife, and I am so excited to speak with you today. It's been about a year and a half since I've spoken. I'm excited. God laid a message on my heart, and I'm just excited to be here today. So and now I know, I'm sure all of you know what next week is. And so who's excited for Thanksgiving? Right? I love Thanksgiving. My family goes out pretty much for all holidays, but we have lots of people. We play games. We play lots of cards. We watch football. We just talk and laugh. And of course, we eat lots of food, right? So who loves Thanksgiving food? Turkey, mashed potatoes and gravy, pumpkin pie, and I could just go on and on, but I won't because lunch is next, so I'll wait. So maybe you guys have some traditions. You know, you go you hang up your Christmas decorations, maybe you go Black Friday shopping. Thanksgiving is so fun. And of course, there's some drama. Like always, you're spending it with family and friends, there's drama. But for the most part, Thanksgiving is just a good time to come together and just get to just say what you're thankful for and be grateful. But there's one thing that I don't like about Thanksgiving, and I think I'm gonna get some hate for this, but I don't like leftovers. I know, I don't like leftovers. And some of you will actually might know this already, but I'm a very picky eater. And if I don't like things like the first time around, right, out of the oven, I'm not gonna like it the second time around, or like in Thanksgiving's cases, the fourth and the fifth and the sixth time around. And so I don't like leftovers. And if you go to our house, I would actually suggest you not to look in our fridge because Vaughn and I like to play the game of like who cleans out the fridge of leftovers. And it's pretty bad. I have good intentions when I make dinner. I don't want to waste food. But both Vaughn and I know that as soon as food goes in that Tupperware into the fridge, they go there to die. <laughs> Now, Vaughn will eat leftovers, but he's not home a lot for lunch, and so they just sit there day after day after day, and then you start, like, questioning, like, what was in that Tupperware to begin with, and I, I laugh because my parents are here today, and I have this, this tendency to gag at old smells in food, and it, I've grown out of it a little bit, but the thought of, like, gross old food, I just can't handle it. So if they go in the fridge, Vaughn knows he's the one that has to take care of it because I just cannot do it. So I know it's gross, and so don't open our fridge. Just a heads up on that. But I know you guys are probably thinking, like, get to the point. Why is she rambling on about her hatred for leftovers? And today, I'm going to tell you that I think God has a little bit of the same opinion on leftovers. And that's what we're going to talk about today. But before we do that, um, as I was just preparing this message, um, my toes have been stepped on, and they've been hurting. And as I was praying and just asking God, what do you want me to speak on today? He just kept whispering, do you love me? And I, of course, I love you, God. And he said, then worship me. And actually, it was like caught off guard because I'm like, I worship you. And he said, truly worship me. Give me your best, not what's left. And so today, I want to step on your toes, too. And I'm going to challenge you with the question, are you truly worshiping God? Are you giving him your best 
or are you giving him what's left? So before we get started, let's pray. Oh, Jesus, thank you so much for this beautiful Sunday, and thank you for all of these wonderful people that chose to be here today. Thank you for the work that you're just continuing doing in each of our lives and our hearts as we strive to be more like you, God. And God, I just ask you to open our eyes, open our ears, open our hearts, and speak to us, God, that we walk out of here a different person because we encountered you. We love you so much, and we just thank you for this day. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. If you have your Bibles, you can turn to um, Malachi, and we're going to go into chapter 1. Um, if you're turning in your Bibles, Malachi is the last book of the Old Testament, so it's right before you hit Matthew. And it's always going to be on the screen behind me as well. But before we get started, um, this takes place in a time where people were worshiping God, but they were just becoming complacent. And um, Malachi, who's the author of this book, is a prophet. And I know some of you, prophet sounds like this big fancy word, but basically it just means someone who hears from God and then speaks on his behalf. And Malachi was addressing the people in this passage, but not just anybody. He was actually addressing the priests, so the teachers of the law, the leaders. So they just weren't your average people. They were the priests that he was specifically talking to. And at that time, they had to present offerings and sacrifices to God in place of their sin. Now, if you don't know much about the Old Testament law, you can read in the Old Testament and Leviticus and Exodus, things like that, to learn a little more about it. But basically, he had very specific requirements on how to present these offerings for your sin. And the thing we're about ready to read is that these priests who knew the law, they taught the law, they were not doing this. They were not giving their best to God. So we're going to go ahead and read in Malachi chapter 1, and it's going to be starting in verse 6. We're going to go to 14. So the Lord of heaven's armies says to the priests, A son honors his father, and a servant respects his master. If I'm your father and master, where are the honor and respect I deserve? You have shown contempt for my name. But you ask, how have we ever shown contempt for your name? You have shown contempt by offering defiled sacrifices on my altar. And then you ask, how have we defiled the sacrifices? You defile them by saying the, the altar of the Lord deserves no respect. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is. Go ahead, beg God to be merciful to you. But when you bring that kind of offering, why should he show you any favor at all? Ask the Lord. How I wish one of you would shut the temple doors so that these worthless sacrifices could not be offered. I am not pleased with you, says the Lord of heaven's armies, and I will not accept your offerings. But my name is honored by people of other nations from morning till night. All around the world, they offer sweet incense and pure offerings in honor of my name. For my name is great among the nations, says the Lord. But you dishonor my name with your actions. By bringing contemptible food, you're saying it's all right to defile the Lord's table. You say it's too hard to serve the Lord, and you turn up your noses at my commands. Think of it. Animals that are stolen and crippled and sick are being presented 
as offerings. Should I accept from you such offerings as these? Cursed is the cheat who promises to give a fine ram from his flock, but then sacrifices a defective one to the Lord. For I am a great king, says the Lord, and my name is feared among the nations. Okay, so let's review what's going on. If you can't tell, God is not very happy. Basically, these priests who, once again, they knew the law, they taught the law, they knew what it said about what kind of offerings and sacrifices to bring, and they were not doing it. They were not giving their best. They were shortchanging God. Instead, they were looking at their animals, they were looking at their flock, and then they'd find the animal in the group that had a defect. Maybe it was blind, a broken leg, it was sick with disease, an animal that was really no good to them, an animal that would be the least amount of sacrifice to give and was presenting this to God instead of what he asked. They were still offering a sacrifice, they were still going to him in worship, but it wasn't costing them anything. They were giving God their unwanted, their blemish, their defiled. They were giving God their leftovers. And I love verse 8. Let's read it again. When you give blind animals as sacrifices, isn't that wrong? And isn't it wrong to offer animals that are crippled and diseased? Try giving gifts like that to your governor and see how pleased he is. Try giving that to your governor and see how pleased he is. I want you to think of this. Say you know the president is coming to your house for supper. And I'm pretty sure it doesn't even matter what you think about the president or his politics, you would not serve him leftovers from your night, the night before. It would be rude. You, he's a person of honor, and you would treat him honor. You would break out your fancy dishes. You would give your china out. You would cook the very best meal you know you could, and you would present it to the president. This is exactly what Malachi is saying. You wouldn't offer these kinds of sacrifices to your governor, but you're giving them to God? God, the almighty God, the one who created you, the king of kings, and you're presenting your leftovers to God as a sacrifice. Let's reflect on us for a second. First off, thank you, Jesus, that we don't have to present animal sacrifices to God, right? Because he became that sacrifice for us, so we don't have to present that to him. That should shake you right there and make you want to give him your best because he gave his best for us. But instead, we just give him our leftovers. And I'm here today to tell you, to tell me, we got to stop. Now, he doesn't want our leftover turkey and mashed potatoes either, but we're talking about something more than that. We're talking about giving God after we go to worship and giving him what we already didn't take for ourselves. And we're still giving him something maybe, but there's no sacrifice in it. And it's not costing us anything. And if you reread, it says, God is saying, close the temple down. I do not want what you're trying to give me. And saying he was not pleased. I don't know about you, but when I go to worship to God, I want him to say, wow, look at what she did for me. Look what she's giving me. Look what she's sacrificing on my behalf. 
And there's three things I'm just going to hit on really quick that when we're presenting sacrifices to God, when we're presenting ourselves to God, there's three things that we need to look at and ask ourselves. We need to give God our best. We need to give God our first. And we need to give God what costs us. And we can look at the passage we just read and look at the priests and say, they definitely weren't doing that. But what about if we reflect on our own life? Are you? And I would say there's several areas that we're lacking. And when I reflect on my own life, I see how often I'm giving God what's left. And he deserves our best. And the first aspect of our life I think we give God our leftovers in is our leftover health or our physical body. And we're going to read Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let, let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. The passage states we are to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice to God. We are to offer our bodies as worship to him. Now, I want you to think back on your last 72 hours. Maybe even your last 24. Did you offer your body as a sacrifice to God in the best way you could? Did you treat it well? Did you eat it? Did you eat, not starve it? Did you exercise? Did you give it rest? Maybe you mistreated it. Maybe through overindulgence, through addictions, through sexual sin, self-infliction. It may not seem like we're giving God our leftovers, but if we're to offer our physical bodies as an act of worship and sacrifice to him, we're probably looking at our past weekend or looking ahead at the next week to come, and we're thinking, I definitely did not give him my best. And if it's not the best, what is it? What's left? And so Thanksgiving's next week, and I want you to think about it. You know, when you've overindulged in all that turkey and all that pie, and you haven't gotten any sleep because of that Black Friday deal you just had to have, or maybe you hit the bottle too hard just to deal with that family member you just can't handle. Is that your best? That's, that's definitely leftovers. And I think a reason we don't give our best worship to God with our health and with our bodies is because we just don't even think about it. I know I really had it. It just never really even crossed my mind. And I would say... Our bodies seem to be entirely ours, and especially with some of the new movements coming out, you know, my body, my choice. And I want to say those movements are great. I think that we need to teach our children that our bodies are ours and that we are the ones to, to speak over them. And that we need to stand up for ourselves when our bodies are being mistreated. And we need to speak out that no means no. But what about God? Does God, should God have a say over that? I would say our culture kind of speaks against that. 
But if we're to offer our bodies as an act of worship, a sacrifice to God, should God have a say of how we treat our bodies and what we do with our bodies? 1 Corinthians 6, 19 and 20 says, Do you know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you received from God? You are not your own. You were bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Your body was bought with a price. Are you honoring it? And some of you may be thinking, why does it even matter? Why does it matter what I do with my body or how I treat it? What happens to it? Does God even care? And the truth is, no matter what you do with your body, whatever you put in your body, God will still love you. Absolutely, God will still love you no matter what. But if you're constantly tired, if you're constantly sick, if you're constantly hungover, can you fully do what God has called you to do? Can you be effective in what God is calling you to do when you constantly feel like garbage? I don't know about you, but I am not at my best when my body is not at its best. I'm angry. I get easily irritated um, with everything and everyone. I'm tired. And when I'm tired, I become lazy and I don't want to do anything. And then I make excuses. I make excuses, oh, I, I couldn't do that, I don't do that. When really, the truth is, it's because all I've eaten was sugar and sat on the couch. You cannot be your best in what God called you to do when your body is not at its best. So how can you honor God with your body? Exercise it. That's going to look different for all of us, but move it. Don't sit on the couch all day. Keep it healthy. Eat well, and that means eating, not starving it, but also not feeding it constantly with junk. Get sleep, don't stress. You know how much that can do on your body when your body is full of stress? And I'm gonna talk to women just for a second because we deal with it more than men. It's hard to love our bodies, but God bought your body with a price so his Holy Spirit can dwell within, within it and that he has given that body to fulfill his purpose that we need to stop saying terrible things about our body. We've got we've to honor it. We can't talk trash about it. The Holy Spirit dwells within. If you're talking trash with, about it, that's not going to do you any good. The Holy Spirit dwells within. You need to stand up, take care of your body, learn to love it and respect it because it allows you to fulfill your purpose for Jesus. The next thing I think we give our leftovers into God is our leftover money. I know, money. No one likes this topic, and I think... So many times, us Christians, this is the area that we tend to shortchange God in the most. And I know no one likes to hear money, especially in church. This is when people kind of start holding their pockets or just tuning the speaker out. But if we really want to worship God with everything and give him our best, we've got to think and listen and learn about money. Now, I can guarantee every single person in here has given their money to something, right? Right? You give your money to maybe the church, to a 
another charity, you've given to a friend, a homeless person, any type of giving your money is absolutely fantastic. But I'm here today to ask you, are you giving your best in that department? And are you giving out of an act of worship to God or are you giving just to be a good person or just to look like a good person? And today we're going to read once again in Malachi, this time in chapter 3. And we're going to start in 8. Should people cheat God? Yet you have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? You have cheated me out of the tithes and offerings due to me. You are under a curse, for your whole nation has been cheating me. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse, so there will be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord of heaven armies, I will open up the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have enough room to take it in. Try it and put me to the test. Now, that's an intense passage. And some versions probably say you rob God instead of cheat God. You're robbing God. I can guarantee that all of you would say, I do not rob God. In fact, I actually give to God. But this passage is saying, if you're not bringing your full tithe to the storehouse, you are robbing God and going as far as saying you are cursed. Now, if you just do some studying, tithe translates to 10%. And in this context, storehouse means the church. So are you giving your 10% to God and his body? Now, I know some of you are thinking that's Old Testament, but the New Testament actually requires more of us. And I would say the majority of us in here, especially the us that call us believers, we give to the church, we give to others. But are we giving our best? Are we giving our first? And are we giving what costs us? And are we giving out of an act of worship? One of the things Vaughn and I discovered early on um, getting married was the act of tithing, but we didn't start it off right away. And Vaughn and I got married very young. We were broke. I was still in school. Um, most of the time we were so broke, we'd actually go to my grandma's house around supper time just because we know she'd feed us just to make sure that we would actually get a meal that night. And we didn't have any money. And we both grew up in the church. We both grew up with um, families that were faithful givers and faithful tithers, and we knew what God wanted from us, and we wanted to do that, but we just thought there's absolutely no way we can give to the church, and if we did, we'd give, you know, $10 here and there, maybe 20 and we'd feel really good about that, and we'd always said, when our income increases, we'll start giving more, so then fast forward a year, we're in a different town, we both have steady jobs, Still not making very much, but definitely making more than we were. And guess what? Still not giving, especially the 10%. And we were so stressed because we just had bills and bills lining up and debt was piling up. And we just kept looking at our finances and being, what is going on? But we, we definitely can't give. But from some wise counsel, and I would say a lot of Holy Spirit nudging us, we decided that we got to make some type of change. And so we thought then and there, okay, we're going to give, and we're going to give 10%. But then what happened? We paid our bills. We bought our groceries. Then we said, oh, let's go to the movies. 
let's go out to eat. And then at the end, we said, oh, we need to give to the church. We looked over, guess what? It was all gone. But we gave what was left. And we thought that was good, but we gave just what was left. And we lived like that for a while. And we were starting just to get disappointed again and saying we said we were going to give 10%, but we never had enough. And that's when, I don't know exactly when or how or what, but we were introduced to the first fruit principle. If you give God your first, he will bless the rest. And we prayed and we talked to each other and finally we decided to make that faithful jump that we were going to give 10% and we were going to do it first thing right off the bat. But then we looked at our money, and we were thinking, how on earth are we going to do this? We have more going out than we have coming in, but our hearts have changed because we discovered that God gave his first fruit, Jesus, his first son, his only son, and all that he was asking from us was just 10% in return. That's all he was asking from us. And so right then, our hearts changed, and we started giving the very first thing we did. And I, Vaughn and I have story after story about just the miracles that came in financially. It wasn't always just in money form, but our bills would be unexpectedly taken care of. We'd have groceries sitting on our front porch, not knowing where they come from. And just stories after stories about how God just took care of us in faithfulness just because of our obedience to him. And ever since this, we've just been faithful givers, and we treat our tithe as our number one priority bill. And I know that sounds crazy, but who gave you that house? Who gave you that car that you have to make payments for? Who gave you the job that's giving you the money? God, right? So shouldn't we give back to him? And the cool thing is, it says, test him on this. We just read, this is the one thing that we can test God on this, and he will be faithful to us. And as the years pass, we've been called to new levels, and I believe 10% is a great start. But now that Vaughn and I have matured, what's the next step for us? We continually pray, what's the next level? Is it 15%? Is it 20%? Is it not about the, the money, but what we do with the stuff that's been given to us. Maybe you need to start giving up and beyond and start supporting a missionary. Maybe it's to start writing that check to Salvation Army every, every month. I don't know what that looks like. What is God calling you to? And really, the, the awesome thing about all this is it's not about money at all. God doesn't want our things. He doesn't want our money, but he wants our heart. And it's very clear in scripture says, where your treasure is, there's your heart. God doesn't need your money. And if you don't give a single penny in your rest of your life, guess what? He will still love you. But he gave us his first and his only and shouldn't we want to give back to him? So between you and God, think, where is your heart? Are you worshiping God with your finances, or are you giving him what's left? The next thing I think we give God leftovers in 
is our time. Leftover time. Now, I think most of us would say that we give some time to God. You are all here this morning. You gave up 90 plus minutes of your weekend to worship with us. And we are so happy you chose to be here. But if the 90 minutes on Sunday is the only thing you're giving God in a week, is that your very best? Now, don't get me wrong. 90 minutes is great, and we're so glad you're here, and it's better than nothing. But could you be doing more? And what is God calling you to do more of? Maybe you even read your Bible every day, or you wake up and do your devotional every day, and that is fantastic. Keep doing that. But then I want you to truly evaluate your time and ask yourself, am I giving my best to God with my time? Is it costing me something? Or am I just giving him what's left over after I've already scheduled everything else out? And when I say this, I am speaking to myself. Know that. I am speaking to myself. Did you know that the average person spends 40 minutes a day on Facebook? And I would say that's actually probably on the lower side for some of us. 40 minutes a day on Facebook, that doesn't include Snapchat, that doesn't include Instagram or any of the other games or apps that you waste your time on. 40 minutes a day. So if we can give that amount to Facebook, the thing is maybe we're not giving to God as much time as we think we are, or this one's for me, we're not really as busy as we think we are. Life is busy. I get it. Now, I'm not saying that we need to spend hours upon hours every day fasting and praying. I'm just asking, is the time you have, are you using it to honor God? And are you giving him what's left after you've already filled your schedule up? Life is busy between work and school and sports and all the other things that you have going on. Schedules fill up fast. And I know I am so guilty of this that after your day is over, you throw up that one to two minute prayer to God before you drift to sleep. And that's the only time you've spent with him all day is that two minutes right before you fall asleep. Is your time honoring God or are you giving him your leftovers? Instead of filling up your schedule and to-do lists with all your activities this coming week, I want to encourage you, be intentional. Before you put anything on that list, maybe you actually have to physically write it down. Write in that time, your quiet time with Jesus. Write that community group on your schedule. Write that Sunday, on, that church on Sunday before you fill the rest of the schedule up. And if there's not enough place for everything else, it means you're too busy and something's probably got to go. And I'm here to say, let's not make it the time was spent with Jesus. Delete something else. And I think there's so many times when we're feeling overwhelmed and stressed and just from our schedules and our busy to-dos that we tend, the first thing we cut is church or youth group or maybe serving on Sunday or having that, you know, that 
good one-on-one time with your friend that you know that builds you up in the Lord. Sometimes those are the first things that we cut. And I'm not going to put God in a box. If that's what he's telling you to do, then you need to do it. But more than likely, it's probably your choice. And I just want to ask, are you giving your best to God or are you giving him what's convenient to you? And just like we said in giving, another thing I think can apply so much is giving our first. And I know it's talking about financial giving, but when we give our first fruit to God, I think he's going to bless that with our time as well. I I know all of us have different schedules, um, different lives, but I encourage you, take that first 15 minutes, 10 minutes, just even five minutes of your day, when you wake up and spend it with God. Maybe that means reading the scriptures. Maybe that means, you know, reading a small devotional. Or just laying in bed and just thanking God for another day, another opportunity to serve him. And if you give him your first, he will bless the rest of your time. And more importantly, your mindset will shift from all the things that you have to do And it'll start focusing on who you're doing them for. And I believe that we we don't, I know I don't, I don't give enough time to Jesus in my alone time. But it's not even about that. We can't spend every second that alone time with Jesus. So what are you doing with the rest of your time? How are you spending those other times? 1 Corinthians 10.31 says, whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Everything we do is the chance to worship Jesus. Everything you say, everything you do, everything you don't do, is the opportunity to honor his name. Are we giving him our best? And I I like to say that I think most of us want to give our best. And I would say a lot of us even think that we are giving our best. But I also know it's easy to just think that God is far away. That he's just this kind of big dude hanging up in the sky watching over us. And he's like watching us but not really caring about us. And so when we think like that, it's easy to give God our leftovers. Because you think, why does it matter? He's just this big dude checking on me, looking at me. Why does it matter? But when we don't understand the fullness of what God has done for us, we'll just worship him with our leftovers. But I'm here today to tell you that God is a caring God. He cares for you. He's an interested God, and he wants to be involved in your life. He wants that relationship with you. He wants that communication with you. And God loves you. In fact, he loves you so much that he gave his only son to die on the cross for you. Just so he could spend forever with you in that relationship with you. He loves you. And I think it can be easy, I know for me, it can be easy to look and say, I'm giving a lot to God. I come to church on Sunday, I read my Bible, I I even serve, I maybe give some money, I even give my 10%. 
But if that's the way we're looking at it, we're looking at it completely wrong. Because the thing is, it's not about us at all. It's not about giving God our best because that's what he wants from us. That is what he wants, but it's not about that. It's about understanding what he's done for you, what he's done for each and every one of us on that cross, and that we want to give him our best just because of how thankful we are and how much we love him. And God doesn't need anything from us. He'll love us no matter what, regardless of what we do, what we don't do, regardless of what we give and what we don't give. He'll love us. Absolutely, he will love us. I want you to go leaving today knowing that you don't have to do anything to earn his love, but he has done so much for you that you can't help but want to give him your best out of love for him. It's all about Jesus and what he did for you. And if we could just comprehend even just a little bit of what he truly did for us on that cross and what he continues to do for us on our behalf each and every day, we would have no problem saying, God, this is your body. What do you want me to do with it? God, this is your money you have given to me. How would you like me to use it? God, this time, it's yours. How should I spend it? So today, I encourage you just to think and reflect on what Jesus really did for you, what he continues to do for you every day, and what he has given up for you what he has sacrificed for you, what he provides for you. He deserves the highest praise. Not just the extras you find lying around after you've used everything else up. He deserves your best, not what's left. I just want everyone to just close their eyes no one looking around and I really want this to be a time to reflect we're going to have a few moments of silence here in a second and I just want this time to be between you and God I want you to reflect on your life reflect on your worship to God what you give God and then I want you to reflect on what he has done for you Reflect on Jesus on that cross, taking your place. An act of pure love, an act of pure selflessness, and he did it for you. He did it for me. So just spend this time with Jesus reflecting, just you and the Lord. self-included that you have a relationship with Jesus you do go to him and worship but as you reflect you know you're not giving your best to God 
Instead, you're just giving him what's left. And today, I want to pray for you. So if that's you, no one's looking around, just lift your hand up and let's pray. Jesus, my hand is lifted. I know so often that when I come to you in worship, I am not giving you my best. I am giving you my leftovers. Sometimes it's because I'm tired. Sometimes it's just because I don't feel like it. But mostly it's because I don't think about what you truly did for me and how much you truly love me. And today I pray for all of you that are thinking the same thing with your hands up. I want to pray that you continually remind us of your love and that you have for us. Change our hearts to want to give you our best because we know that's the only thing you deserve. I also believe there's maybe some in here today that don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't even know what I'm talking about. You haven't really worshiped Jesus because you don't have that, that relationship with him. And I'm here today to tell you that Jesus loves you and he cares for you and he wants that relationship for you. He doesn't need your best. He doesn't need you to do anything except give him your life. But when you really reflect on what he's done for you, you're going to want to give him the best. But that all starts today with just giving him your life and your heart. So if you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, you've never really surrendered your life as worship to him, as a sacrifice to him, I would love to walk through that with you today. So if that's you, once again, no one's looking around raise your hand if you've never given your heart to Jesus so we can pray together. And if that's you, I just want you to just pray this as I pray it aloud. Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for caring for me. And thank you for wanting that relationship with me. Jesus, I want to give you my best. And I understand that starts with surrendering my life to you. So Jesus, here is my heart. From this day forward, I give it to you. I believe that you died on that cross. I believe that you rose again. I believe you're coming back so I can spend forever with you. Forgive me of my sins and help lead me and guide me to be more like you from this day forward. I am a new person because of you. In Jesus' name.